right, everybody, welcome to New Life. I just got to say a big hello to everybody here at our Carney campus. A big hello to everybody worshiping with us at our North Platte campus and everybody that's online as well. So can I just hear it from you for a second? How many of you guys are excited to be at New Life to worship Jesus today? Huh? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, and I hope that's the same response that uh, you're giving right now on your couch in your pajamas. All right. Very good, because that's how excited we are right here. Hey, look, uh, we're so excited about Jesus that, man, we put together a, a pretty radical teaching series that we entitled Playlist. Playlist is totally designed for us to take highlight songs like the feature song you just heard, uh, Reckless Love. And Reckless Love is going to be the theme song for today, by the way. And that's the song we're going to kind of look at. Because here at New Life, I've told you this on week one, but you, if you weren't here on week one, then I want to help remind you. Like, what is it about this teaching series that makes it so important? <clears throat> and here's what makes it important. At New Life, we have a couple of really strong values. One, we want all of our worship songs to be pointing you to Jesus or proclaiming who Jesus is in a very powerful way. We want a personal connection with Christ. The other thing that we want is that we want our worship songs to be, you know, laced with Scripture. So there's a lot of cool songs and there's a lot of worship songs that are out there. That's good. We look for those two basic parameters. So we don't want a song that's just built on one Scripture. We want a song that's built on multiple scriptures. We want you to walk away, and if you ever chose to study any one of our songs that we do here at New Life, we want you to walk away and just go, wow, there's so many scriptures that can be connected to that worship song because we want you to connect with God, and we connect with God through the truth found in his word. So the song Reckless Love is one that's really going to challenge us, and we're going to focus in on this concept of reckless Reckless is the word we're going to just focus in on. Can God's love be reckless? Right? Is God himself reckless? Right? We're going to answer these questions. What does it really mean to have a reckless love? You know, we're singing this song. You just heard it in our feature. So we're going to dig that. We're going to dig into it. We're going to dissect it. We're going to kind of look at it today. What is this thing, reckless love? Well, to help you understand it, let's just put ourselves in the right frame of mind, okay? Have you ever done something good for someone else without thinking about the consequences or the ramifications to yourself first? Right? Have you ever done anything like that? Because if you've ever stepped out to do something good for someone else without first thinking about what's it going to cost me, then you were, in essence, stepping out with a reckless love, showing it to others. So I want to tell you a couple of instances in my life where I did that. Not to make the sermon about me, but to kind of put us in the right frame of mind of what, what it really is, reckless love. So one day, <clears throat> we're driving down the interstate. We just got on the interstate um, at Kearney, and we're heading west. And it's a wintry, snowy, icy day, okay? A semi-truck is in front of us. All of a sudden, a semi that's going eastbound, we're going westbound. The eastbound semi crosses over and down into the median, comes jumping out in front of us on the other side. And the semi-truck that's in front of us, he goes right through the trailer part of the semi, Okay? Just crazy. It's like an explosion happens right in front of you. The eastbound semi-truck, the, the tractor part of it, it ends up down in the ditch on the other side, on its side. And we are now the first vehicle there. Well, when the truck that's going westbound right in front of us went through the trailer of the eastbound truck, it exploded. Well, the, the, tra the, the truck going westbound was still on its wheels, still facing down the interstate. 
I'm the first one. I get out of my car, and unfortunately, the trailer that the truck had gone through was a refrigerated trailer full of raw meat. So now, all over the interstate is raw meat. You got the picture? And I cannot see, I can't see the, 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 the truck anymore. I can't, his trailer's kind of turned a little cockeyed. I'm the first one out and, it's, and the road's icy and I'm kind of shuffling along, watching out for the meat that's laying on the road. And I come around to look and to see the driver. And the driver's got his head down like this with the biggest gash down his face this way that you've ever seen. And it, it was so, I mean, I don't mean to be too graphic, but it was like, you didn't know if raw meat was on his face or that was just the way his face looked. It was that extreme. And you get up there and he start to kind of try to see if the guy's awake and he starts to wake up and you ask, I asked him the question, are you the only one here? And he goes, no, I got a buddy. Like he goes, the buddy's in the back. Well, there's nobody in the back because that person got thrown from the back, you know, where they were asleep into the front and they were like up underneath the dash, right? We found them later and both of these guys lived. Everybody lived, okay? Uh, that's, the, that's the good part of the story. But the reckless part of it is you didn't know what you were going to experience. I mean, let's just be like for real, right? You could have walked around and looked into the truck and seen a decapitated body. And what would that have done to a person for the rest of their life? Right? So with, sometimes you just go, that person's in need. I'm just going to react. I'm just going to love them. I'm going to come to their rescue. That's reckless love. That's an example of it. There was another time Kim and I, uh, we're, we've raised four children. Uh, if you don't know, my son, was he's up here. He's the one with the beard. Good-looking dude, you know. Um, because, because he got it from his mom. Let's just be, let's be clear. Let's be clear. You guys thought I was thinking I was promoting me. You guys, come on. He is handsome, though. Okay, so, so anyways, they're, they're little. We don't have anything. All right, we don't have anything. Um, we don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of resources. We're just trying to raise four kids, and our basic meal plan every week was to go to the, the grocery store and to stand in the aisle where Hamburger Helper was and to pick out which Hamburger Helper are we going to eat on Monday, which one we're going to have on Tuesday, which one we're going to have on Wednesday, and then we splurge for a tuna helper on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just the way we were living, you know? And you got four little kids, and um, so we come across this a little bit of money, not a lot, but when we came across this money instantaneously, it's like the Lord whispered to us, I want you to give 2000 of that away. I told Kim, she felt it was the Lord. We don't ask any questions when we sense it's the Lord, by the way. Like if we sense it's the Lord and we've had multiple times in our life, we just, we do it before we can doubt the action. Just so that you know, that's what we've done in our past. And I think you still see some of that played out in our lives today. If you sense it's the Lord, we take action. We don't need to wait for a fleece like the sun's got to stop in the sky or anything crazy like that. If it's the Lord, we act. And so we just gave the $2,000 away as quickly as we could just to honor the Lord and to bless others. Without thinking, what could you use $2,000 with when you got four kids and you're living on Hamburger Helper? There's a lot you can do with $2,000 at that moment. And if you don't know what to do with it, ask the four little kids. They got a thousand things you can do with it. Right? Reckless love. Not taking into consideration how this act is going to affect us just out of obedience to God, recklessly loving others. All right, one last one. Youth pastor at this church, 
doing a senior trip. Got seniors in high school, and we're going out to celebrate the fact that they have graduated. So we go to Denver, and we're eating, de- we're eating dinner in Denver, and when we get done, and we're kind of piling out of the restaurant, I say, hey guys, look, I'm going to go get the van. I'm going to pull it up and pick you guys up, so you know, just hang out right here by this fountain. Well, they were doing that, and I got out to the van. Well, they were quick. like They wanted to take a picture, so they took a picture at the fountain where this one girl, she set her purse down, evidently, and then they got done. And before I could even like get in the van and get it moving, they were already walking towards me. So I just wait instead of, you know, meeting them halfway and some of their car and the confusion of that. So they're walking towards me. Well, while they're walking towards me, I'm looking at the fountain and I see these other two teenagers. They're dressed in really dark clothing. They come out of the shadows over to the fountain area. They grabbed something and they went back into the shadows. And then they went down the strip mall and went around the corner. I watched them with my own two eyes, right? And so the, the, the girls and the guys, they pile into the van and we get ready to go. And one of them says, oh, I, I, I left my purse up by the fountain. I got to go back and get it. And I said, no, you don't need to go get it. I think I know exactly what happened to your purse, right? And I said, buckle up. You have never seen a church van peel out before. (laughs) But that day, boom, drop it into gear. We just took off, man. We just took off across the parking lot, right? It was a bit reckless, okay? But that's a different kind of reckless. We went, we went around the end of the strip mall, and I get into the alleyway, and it is an alleyway, and I see two guys walking, you know, midway in the, in the strip, and so I just gun it. I'm going down the alleyway, and I say, guys, hang on. And just as I pass them, I, oh, I slam the brakes on, and the van kind of kicks a little sideways, and it kind of stops them from being able to go. And I jump out, and I run around, and I just go, get down on the ground right now. It's a true story. You can ask the teenagers that were there. (laughs) Get down. And so they like, they just like got down on the ground on their knees. I said, get down on your belly right now and empty out all your pockets. Like I'm robbing these two teenagers right now. (laughs) And so, so they, they empty out their pockets and they put it out there and I don't see the person. I'm like, pull, pull the purse out of your pants. Right. I don't know why. I just thought that's what he would have done. Maybe that's, maybe that's what you do. I don't know. But the guy rolls over and he sticks his hand down into his pants and he pulls the purse out and he lays out in front of him. Then he's like this on the concrete, right? (laughs) I slowly reach down. I grab the purse. And then I know I'm a pastor. Like I should have done something more spiritual in this moment. But then (laughs) I said these words to these guys. I go, I'm going to let you guys keep the rest of it. And then I got back in the van and then we just like driving Miss Daisy's, we just pulled away nice and slow. It was this hush in the van, <laughs> right? And I hand, I hand the purse back to this young lady, and she's like, thank you so much, Pastor. That was so, that was so kind of you. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I didn't even stop to think. Did those guys have a gun? Did they have a knife? Right? Reckless love. So you can call me crazy. I probably deserve it. <laughs> You can call me reactionary. I probably deserve that. You can call me foolish. I I probably deserve that. But I'll tell you this, every single one of those acts was an act of reckless love. An act of reckless love. And if, if you're like, well, I would never do that, I guarantee you, you've shown acts of reckless love to others. 
You've displayed it in multiple different ways in your life. Have you ever jumped out into a street to save a kid because you saw a car coming and they were playing in the street or something happened like that? Did you ever put your life in risk to save someone else's life in that capacity? That's reckless love, right? Have you, have you ever stood up for someone who's being bullied or being taken advantage of either while they were a child or while, you, while they're older? Some guy, you know, harassing some woman and you stepped up into the scene. You said, hey, buddy, look, I don't think that she wants to hear from you right now, right? Or any of those kind of things, reckless love. Have you ever stopped to help a stranger? You ever stopped to help a complete stranger? Somebody you don't know their character, you don't know their morals, you don't know what they stand for. Have you ever stopped to help a stranger? Because if you have, you've displayed reckless love. Now, here's the question. Where in our humanity do we get the desire to show reckless love to one another? And I would say to you that it comes from our creator God. That it's first in the character and in the nature of God to be reckless with his love for us. That he's the one in his heart that says, look, I'm giving you everything. I've given you everything. And it's what causes us to take these acts of reckless love for one another. And so in the song that we're going to sing, the song we're focused on, this modern day you know, worship song that causes our hearts just to offer God worship from deep within, our, deep within us. We're gonna sing these words, that when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. That when I was your enemy, God, that when I was fighting against you, that when I resisted you and I posed everything that you stood for, still, God, you were fighting for me. That's exactly what's so mind-blowing about God in Romans chapter 5 when he drives home this. When God says, when, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an, you know, an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Verse 8, but... God showed his great, extravagant, amazing, reckless love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God went all in. God said, I'm going to give you the best that I have. You know, I'm going to give you the, the all that I have. I'm going to go all in for you, knowing that you may not go all in for me. Knowing that I might get my heart wounded. My, my heart might be hurt because God's desire is that all would know him and that all would fall in love with him. And so he gave his very best knowing that you may not go all in. But that's God. That's that reckless love of God. That's that, you know, it's not about me. It's about loving you kind of an act so that you can love me with all of your heart. Guys, I want to tell you right now, that's the love of God. That's what allows us to sing with incredible confidence the chorus of this song when it says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. See, when you truly start to grasp the true love of God, you should start to feel like it's a bit overwhelming. So let's just test our Christianity here for a minute. When was the last time the love of God overwhelmed you? Because if you haven't been overwhelmed by the love of God in your life, then you need to do a little spiritual pulse check to see how close you are to him. There should be a reoccurrence that takes place in our spiritual journey where we are overwhelmed by the love of God, where we have to start asking ourselves these types of questions, like why do I even deserve this type of love? 
That's a good question to ask, by the way, in your spiritual journey. There's nothing wrong with asking the question of God, why do I deserve this type of love, God? It's just not healthy to end there. The healthy place to end is to say, I deserve it because you paid it all for me. Therefore, with confidence, I will walk in this love, even though I don't feel like I deserve it at times. But that's what happens when you start contemplating the overwhelming love of God. When you get close to God and you sense his presence in such a way that it overwhelms you, you start asking those kind of questions. You start saying things like, this love is so great, how can it be real? You start saying things like, okay, what's the catch to this love, God? Because this feels so good. It's like nothing's free on this earth, right? And you just feel like, God, there's, there's some kind of catch. There's some kind of bait and switch, and there is no bait and switch. And then you finally, in the overwhelming aspect of God's love, you get to the place where if God's love is real, then you start to realize something. You start to realize, wow, God, you love me more than I could ever love myself. Have you been there in your spiritual journey? Have you been to the place where you stood at the crossroads that you finally came to the conclusion that, God, you could somehow love me more than I ever loved myself? Because, church, that's a healthy place to go to. God's love is an overwhelming love. Why? Because I'm arguing today the point that it is reckless. That's why it's so overwhelming. And if it's hard for you to wrap your head around, that's the way it ought to be because it defies all of our human understanding and it goes beyond our finite humanity that the reckless, amazing, incredible, extravagant love of God is like nothing that you and me were ever designed to be able to show to one another. We try to do it, but we can never get close to it because God's love, like the song we sang as children, it's too deep and it's too wide for us to ever truly grasp until we are actually in his presence one day in heaven. But to make God's love even more overwhelming is it, it's way beyond just a one-time act. It's way beyond just a one-time moment on a cross in an empty tomb. It's way beyond that. It's, like, it's way beyond just that one moment. To make God's amazing, overwhelming love a moment is to like make it like a sale that took place on Friday at your most famous store that only happened between 11 and 1, and you couldn't make it there to buy the item you wanted to, and then, therefore, you were left out. See, God's reckless, amazing, extravagant love isn't just a one-time moment. It's an ongoing, continual act called grace. And God's grace keeps chasing you down and it keeps fighting for you like we're going to sing in this song where the poet of this song says, oh, God, your love, it chases me down and it fights till I'm found. It even leaves the 99. God's chasing after all of us right now. And I just want to say to you, I don't care how long you've been a believer, there's more of God's love for you to discover. And my fear for many of us today is when did you stop and when did you say that's enough, God, of, of who you are? Like, I, I'm, I, I think I've got enough. When did you put the glass ceiling in and say, God, I think I've experienced enough of you? Because today I'm telling you, God wants to break the glass ceiling because he's chasing you and he's fighting for you. And there's so much more for you to discover. Every day that you're on this earth and every year God gives you breath, there's going to be more of God's love for you to get wrapped up in. That's the beauty of God. That's what makes it so amazing. And if you don't know God's love today, I got an amazing promise for you. God has made a promise to fight for you and to never stop pursuing you. 
In fact, Jesus said he defined God's love this way in Luke chapter 15. He says that when a man, which is God in this capacity, in this story, has a hundred sheep and one of them, which the sheep are us, and one of them gets lost, what will God do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for you that are lost until he finds you? Isn't that what God would do? Jesus' words. So what do you think? You think Jesus is setting you up for a failure? You think Jesus is building God up into a capacity where you can't trust him because he's not going to leave the 99 to chase after you? Because today, if you're far from God, I want you to know something. He's hunting you down. He's hunting you down. He loves you. Jesus isn't defining God in a capacity that's untrue. He's defining the very core, the very character and the nature of God. So that means God's chasing after the lost because he wants to offer them his love. And God's love is fighting for the lost to be free so that they can know him. That's what God's doing. God's kind of like that movie Taken that aired a few years ago that had the actor Liam Neeson, where his daughter got kidnapped over in Europe by these very evil men who were going to you know, put her into a sex trade situation. And Liam finds out that his daughter's been kidnapped. And then he gets over there and he gets on the phone and he somehow is able to now talk to the kidnappers. And he uses this line, I will find you and I will kill you. Right? Like I'm totally anti-kill, all right, of other people. Just want to make it clear. But at that moment, if that's my daughter, that's the kind of line I would say. And if it was my daughter on the other end and she could hear my voice, I would want her to hear that type of tenacity. And I want her to hear that type of reckless love. And I want you to see something that that's God's heart for you today. He'll chase you down and he will fight for you, and he will do whatever it takes to get a hold of you and to get your attention. And if you've been following him for the last you know, three decades, there's still more that he's chasing you down to show you and to fight for you. Why? Because he actually has seen his son die. And that gives him the authority to now love you with a, with a love that's so far beyond anything that you and me can imagine. This amazing love of God isn't something that you can purchase or manipulate, though. And let's be careful of it, because many men and women have tried to do that. It's not something you can purchase. You can't purchase God's love. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough you know, good to give. It's unbuyable. All you can do is surrender to it. And God, God's love, God, God's love is not something that you can earn more of. So you can't go out and do more things for God to try to build up your bank account of more love for you. No, God loves you right now with a bank account that is maxed out. It's full. And there's nothing that you can do to make it, you know, God love you less. And there's nothing that you can do necessarily to make God love you more. He just loves you with this reckless love that he paid the price already for the fullness of. And many times, guys, we just don't deserve. We don't deserve that kind of love. I get it. Many times we feel that way. Like the prodigal son. The prodigal son went to his father and he said, look, you know, I, I'm done with you. I'm done with you, God. I, I want my inheritance. I want everything that you can give me, and I just want to go live my life the way I want to. And for years, he did it until he decided one day he wanted to come home. Now, what kind of love was he getting ready to experience? Many of you know this. Some of you don't, though. Here's the reckless love that God was getting ready to show him. So he, the son, he returned home to his father, who in the story again is God. And while he was still a long ways off, God saw him coming Filled with love and compassion, that's the kind of love God has for you. Filled with love and compassion, God ran after his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. See, it doesn't matter today where you're at in your journey. 
If you start making a move towards God, you're not going to find God with his arms crossed like this. You're going to find God with his arms open wide. And the chasing heart of God is going to collide with you, and you're going to experience him to your fullness. God restored the prodigal back to full sonship, and God will restore you, sons and daughters, back into the full status that he always wanted with you. God's extravagant and reckless love isn't something of the past. It is for you today. And that's why I want you to listen. I want you to listen to the love of God um, that he has towards you as described by the, by the ones who wrote this very song because it's so biblically, biblically accurate. He, it defines it like this, and we're going to sing these words. Before I spoke a word, God, you were singing over me. And before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Can you imagine with me for a minute? What does it sound like for God to be singing over you? Some of you might go, well, does God even do that? Well, yes, he does. Zephaniah 3.17, this is exactly what it says. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, right, he will calm all your fears. Some of us need that. And he will rejoice over you with what kind of song? Okay, this is not just an ordinary song. This is a joyful song. A joyful song. That when you don't feel... When you don't feel joyful, God's still joyful for you. What, what would happen to your life if you could hear the unique song that God has written for you that's full of joy? What would happen to you? How would our lives be transformed if just for a minute God would open up the heavens and let our ear hear his voice singing the unique song that he has over you? I guarantee you it would transform your life. It would change you from the inside out. That you would, you would come to a place where you would have to admit, I am no accident. Right? I'm not here by accident. That God not just knows my name. Right? He didn't just know me before I was born. He knows everything about me. And the song that he sings about me just, it fuels me. And it makes me so worth living. God's the one. You would have to come to the conclusion that said he gave me life. And just like Adam, you'd have to come to the conclusion that God's the one who breathed that life into you. That's what God does, Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. You became a living person when God breathed his breath into you as well. And he's still doing that to this day. That's part of the incredible love of God. That's how much he loves you. He sings songs of joy over you that he wrote himself. Because he's the one who breathed life into you. God loves us so much more than we ever thought or imagined. But, but, but the problem is this. In the song even, it brings us to this place where it says, when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You ever been at that place before? You ever been at that place where you just didn't feel worthy? You didn't feel worthy of God's love? You didn't think that you were worthy of even being in God's presence, so you didn't even come to church for months and months? You ever been at that place where, you know, you were, you were so depressed that you couldn't think anything positive at all? You ever been at that place where it was so hard to just even kind of wake up in the morning to be joyful about anything? You felt worthless. If you felt that way, you're human. But here's the deal. What breaks the worthlessness? The fact that Jesus paid it all for you. Worthlessness is something that all of us feel at times, and it comes from our sin. Ephesians chapter 2 drives this point home really powerfully, where it says, For all of us 
used to live that way. What way? We all used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We've all lived that way. But by our, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Yeah, see, sin, sin is what develops the worthless word in our heart and our mind. So if you sense a worthlessness before God today, what you need to know is that Jesus already paid the price so that you can start feeling worthy. How do you do that? Repentance. If there's sin in our life, it separates us from God. That's where worthlessness is going to come from. So if you want to alleviate and you want an antidote for the worthlessness, then here's what you do. You repent and you run to God. Because the closer you get to Jesus, the more worth you start to experience. Because you start to hear the very voice of the master, the very one who created you. We've been talking a lot about the reckless love of God. And I want to make something impeccably clear. God in and of himself is not reckless, though. To say that God in and of himself is reckless would be an incorrect statement of the very character and nature of God. So God in and of himself is not reckless. However, when you look at the love and the love he shows to us, it is very reckless the way he shows his love to us. But God is in complete control all the time, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's stable and he's consistent. God is trustworthy. You can trust him with your life. God isn't playing a game with your life. He isn't reckless with your life. Just like he isn't playing a game with his creation, he isn't reckless with his creation. So God isn't reckless in the way we've defined the word reckless if you looked it up in the Webster's Dictionary. However, the love of God has gone to the extreme to pay the price for your sin even before you even were willing to receive it. And he's chased you down in a way that you didn't even know sometimes he was chasing you down just to show you this extravagant grace that many times you don't even feel like you deserve. And the author of this song brought us to this place so profoundly to help us understand how badly God is chasing us down and how badly God wants us to know him for who he is and his love for us that he said these words, there's no shadow, God, that you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall, God, that you won't kick down and lie you won't tear down to come after me. That's God's heart for you today. There's nothing that want, that's going to stop God from chasing you. The only thing that can keep you from experiencing God's love is you. So today, it's your response, right? Like, are you going to chase after God? Because those who seek God, they find God. Are you going to lay down your sin that has separated you from God and lay down your doubts and chase after God, because if you do, you make that move towards God, you're gonna feel God's move towards you. I wanna encourage you today to be passionate seekers of God. Because if you're passionately seeking God today, then I don't care whether this is your first day committing your life to Christ or your 30th year, you will experience the incredible, extravagant, amazing, and reckless love that God has for you today. God's in this house. He's here right now. It's your choice of whether you're just going to go through the motions and experience a religious service or you're going to experience the creator of the universe. 
That's really up to you. It's in your hands right now. You make a move towards him, he's already made a massive move towards you. But you make a move towards him and you're gonna experience him just wrap his arms around you. He's gonna whisper into your life and he's gonna whisper maybe words that build your worth. He's gonna whisper words like, I've got this. He's gonna wipe away fears and anxieties. God badly, badly wants to break the glass ceiling in some of your lives and take you on a journey far beyond what you think you know him now. The question is, will you seek him so that the reckless love of God can be poured out upon your life? So why don't you stand with me as we get ready to sing this song and we take a moment and we pray. Lord, Lord, we've come to a conclusion that you are rock solid. There is, there's nothing. You are unmovable. You are unshakable. You are completely trustworthy. Lord, we can put our life into your hands, but at the same time, we look at your love for us and it, it, this, it boggles our mind. The word reckless may not be the right word, but Lord, it's one word, that's for sure. Extravagant, yes. Amazing, incredible, almost undefinable, yes it is, God. Thank you, Lord, that you chased after us before we even knew your name. Thank you, God, that you paid the ultimate price for us before we ever decided to submit our lives to you. And Lord, today, you're chasing after those who are lost. May those who are seeking you but are far from you, may they discover your amazing love today. May those who are close to you, may the glass ceiling of their life be broken open and may they start to experience a fresh outpouring of your spirit and your love upon their life today. Lord, have your way in this service. Set people free. Lord, draw us close to you. May we passionately, passionately know you. Lord, today we needed to meet with you, not with Jeff Baker. We came here to meet with you. Lord, I'm praying that today, right now, in these next few moments, you would personally interact with your church and you would transform us person by person, change our lives, that we would walk out of these doors different than we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen.